like yesterday as well. And then I was thinking, but and when we moved, we were that way round, and then we moved this way round, and, and all these things. And in it all, I just felt, you know, God say, I'm the God of all seasons. And, uh, and the way that God often works, you know, is in conjunction with his people. Do you know what I mean? That, that he advanced his kingdom through the fervent prayers of, of, his, of his people. And uh, one of the things we need to know is if we trust in God, one of the big statements, if, and if we believe he's um, omnip- on, omniscient, omnipresent, that he has ordained all things, is that he's brought us here today. Do you know what I mean? And uh, th- therefore, he's planned for us to be here today. Why? Well, obviously to glorify him, but also to build one another up. And, and that's one of the big themes of this season. Okay, there's a scripture from James, which will appear somewhere, which t- tells us that the, the fervent prayers uh, of a righteous man achieve much. That, that actually, as we lean into God, he moves. And, uh, and that's what we're going to do it. You know, I, was, I, was, I had quite a, an on and off summer, as a lot of you know. And uh, the, the Christian collective band called House Fires, which many of you know, they have a song called I'll Give Thanks. And uh, it's beautiful. We've used it on a couple of Monday Life groups and stuff. But at the end, there's this beautiful refrain that says, uh, God's not worried, so why do I worry? God's not worried, so why do I worry? And, uh, you know... It's just beautiful. It's obviously founded out of Matthew 6, you know, where God says, you know, you know who's going to worry about the hares, what they're going to eat and everything else. But there's that, that, that theme of, you know, it, God's kingdom is not going to fade. It's not going to diminish that we can build on a solid foundation. And his love for you and I will never fade. It's not going to diminish that we need not worry about God's love for us because that is unconditional. It was paid for on a cross. That our hope, our strength, our purpose Everything comes from him as we follow him, as we become the men and women that he calls us to be. You know, as we put God first and live a God-centered life, you know, he responds and moves in us and through us. And so uh, the key thing is that building a relationship involves taking time, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? You know, it's listening to, it's talking to, it's hanging out with. And, uh, and in terms of with God, that comes under the umbrella of prayer. You know, which is one of those words that I think has probably been misused a lot. You know, there are certain words in the British language, and I'm sure other nations, where you know, they, they evoke things. But prayer is literally communing with God. And uh, for the next four weeks, and then we've got a couple of guests, and then we've got a last one, we're going to look at uh, prayer via some sort of stories from the Bible and some testimonies. Uh, so what we're going to look at, okay, over the four weeks is today we're going to start with prayers of intercession, which is basically intervening on behalf of one another. And uh, we're going to be going into the book of Exodus for that. So those of you who want to go there, we're going to go there. Uh, next week, uh, we've got prayers of declaration. You know, statements, announcements of the goodness and greatness of God. You know, it's, a, it's another strand of prayer. Uh, the week after that, we've got prayers of devotion, dedication and commitment to the purposes of God. Again, loads of you are nodding, you can see them. After that, prayers of petition, which is where you're really asking, leaning into God, that he would do things. And then to finish the series off, we've got prayers of supplication, which is, you know, is the widow, who, the persistent widow, who just keeps going. Do you know what I mean? Just keeps going. Uh, and why are we doing those things? Well, because we believe this is God's house, and we want him to build it. <laughs> and so, therefore, we need to talk to the builder. Do you know what I mean? If not, we go off on, on the wrong pathways. Jimmy, we want God to shape our lives. We want God to shape the God's central family. You know, the Bible tells us that what he does is eternal, and what we do is rubbish. And we're about an eternal business of building one another up 
of learning to bring people well into the faith, to disciple, to build one another, to build ourselves, to facilitate kingdom growth. You know, the, the really astute among you, and probably none of you did, would have spotted that we've changed the top and bottom banner on the PowerPoints. Did anyone honestly spot it? Debbie. 10 out of 10. Have an extra free coffee. Uh, except you don't like caffeine too much. So have a squash instead. <laughs> okay? But, we'll, but it's all free. Yeah. <laughs> what generous. See, generosity at the heart of church. <laughs> ben, you might have to cut some of this out on the web. Uh, but we deliberately wanted to, to have a focus about a kingdom culture. You know, living differently. Because that's what Jesus calls us to. He doesn't say just come and follow me and do exactly the same stuff. He says, no, come and follow me and live for my glory which is going to make some changes. Yeah, and, and the Bible verse we're anchoring it is, is that beautiful one at the end of Joshua, you know, that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, you know, so we want to anchor those things in at the beginning and end. Um, so as a, as a church and as individuals, I think, you know, we're trusting God really builds into us as we look at prayer and talking and walk, walking with him. Uh, we ask that the Holy Spirit would challenge us and propel us, that, that we'll do a lot of one anothering and a lot of other, other bits as well. Um, but to kick us off, um, I've asked uh, Elizabeth and Lot if they could come and read. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33. Uh, the words Sorry. will come up, um, but feel free to grab it. And I need the radio, which is just coming up behind you, <laughs> radio mic. Uh, and we're going to read verses 1 to 6 from Exodus 33. And then we're going to down to verse 12 to 19. Cheers, Jimbo. This thing that stands just about to drop my laptop. <laughs> no, that's broken. Okay, right, let's read God's word and not worry about a broken stand. Off you go, Elizabeth. Okay. Um, Exodus chapter 33, verse 1 to 6. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hevite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornament. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornament, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornament from Mount Horeb onward. Brilliant. Amen. If you can do verse 12 onwards, and I'll explain the Verse gap. 12 to 9. That's Exodus chapter 33, verse 12 to 9. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send me with. You have, you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor in you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and how I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Amen. 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 Well done, guys. Yeah. God, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray now, Holy Spirit, would you bring it to life in us? Holy Spirit, would you stir us up? What's of you? Would it find root? What's of me? Would it be gone, God? That we, uh, yeah, press in and hear from our Father in heaven and are directed and built up in the faith. We ask that in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen, Amen. Okay, one thing I've learned is if you need Old Testament names presented, get Elizabeth round. Okay, so that's always a good start. Um, but a bit of background context, okay? Um, this passage, if, you, if you're familiar with Exodus, comes just after the making of the golden calf, which is obviously where things have gone disastrously wrong for Israel, hence the, this kind of tone at the beginning. Uh, because back in chapter 32 with the golden calf, the people of God have rebelled against God. You know, and God has basically said, I've, you know, if I'll quote it, Exodus 32, 9 says, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. That's not a good compliment. Okay? They're not talking about you need a bit of a neck brace, okay? or you're in a, being in a car accident. It's basically they're very bad. Now, therefore, let me be alone, that my wrath may not burn against them, and that I may consume them. So basically God's saying, I need to be away from my people, because I'm, they've just done wrong. And that's not a good place to be. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's not a good place at all. It's uh, people have drifted, they've sinned, they've gone outside God's will, and God is going to deal with it. But Moses responds to God. This is, the, this is the amazement of this bit. With a desperate prayer of intercession, i.e. intervening for God's people. And Moses basically steps in the gap between God and the people. Do you know what I mean? And he's going he's to plead with God. Okay, let's just get that into our heads. That is, that is what happened. If any of you were, when you were reading this, that is the context here. Okay, and uh, basically uh, Moses is going to come in and he's going to make his, his case not on the strength of his countrymen Israel. Okay, but what he's going to come up about is he's going to make his case based upon the fact that your name, when he's talking to God, so God's name will be profaned among the Egyptians and your word to the fathers will fall. So he's, he's going to base it based upon God's own character, do you, know I mean? you know, which we'll come back to in a minute. And, and what's going to happen is God's going to relent, okay? So instead of destroying the whole people, okay, there is going to come a measure where if you, if you read back in Exodus 32, uh, there are 3,000 men who pass away and are killed and there is a plague, but, but God's grace actually preserves his people. Do you know what I mean? So there's consequence, but there's a preser uh, preservation. And, and then God's going to resume his purpose with the Israelites and take them into the promised land as we read further on, okay? You know, and he will say to Moses in verse 34 at the end of chapter 33, but now go, so it's all good, and lead my people into the place which I've spoken. Behold, my angel will go with you. So you'd think that's really good. Do you know what I mean? That, that Moses has done his stuff, but the second time, so let's go on. Moses has already spoken to God, we'll come back to that, but now Moses is not going to be satisfied with an angel, do you know, what I mean? you know and, and this amazes me. 
Because this is, a, this is let's be real, this is a man and God. Okay? And one, he said, hang on a minute, don't wipe out my people. God's kind of relented and said, that's okay then, I'll send an angel with you. And now he's, he's feeling quite cheeky, it seems to me, of saying, well, actually, I'm not satisfied with an angel, God. We want you. And it's an astonishing request when you, when you put it like that. And, you know, this is man talking to God and asking God to change what he'd said he was going to do. To act differently. You know, God had said categorically, you know, Exodus 33, 3, read by Elizabeth, I will not go amongst up with you, lest I consume you, for you're a stiff-necked people. So God's saying at the start, if I go with you, I can't do it, because I'm going to end up consuming, killing, wiping you out. You know, that's the backdrop to it. And Moses then says, but God, if you're not coming with us, we're not going either. <laughs> you know, it's like a standoff. Do you know what I mean? You know, Moses is holding out for something unspeakable to date in the, in the people of God. Do you know what I mean? That a holy God would have mercy upon a stiff-necked people. Not only that he wouldn't wipe them out, but more than that, that he would abide with them and go with them. That they would be known as his people and his presence would be at the centre of them. And that's a game changer. Do you know what I mean? You know, and if we think Moses... If, you know, you're mostly thinking, well, how did Moses get to that? And how is that unthinkable? I would say that the bigger unthinkable thing is the grace and mercy of God. You know, that, okay, Moses is, is cheeky, he's bold, he's courageous, whatever else. But God is rich in mercy and grace. Because Moses makes it quite clear, do you know what I mean? That actually the people are stiff-necked. He, he doesn't try to say, but well, actually, in these people, I've got Jim. Jim's all right, God. Do you know what I mean? You know, we all like Jim. Do you know what I mean? No, he doesn't. He doesn't even pick on, you know, Elizabeth, who can pronounce Old Testament names, or Bola, or anyone else. You know, he basically acknowledges and says, yes, God, we are a sinful people. I also am sinful, but you are great, and you deserve honor, and you want to have glory. And you are gracious. So everything goes back to God. You know, Paul writes in Romans 3.23, you know, that all have sinned and fallen short of God. You know, that's what Moses had grasped thousands of years earlier. That if he was going to get into, into uh, a request, a petition, if he was going to intervene with God, he was not going to do so on the strength of who Moses was. He was not going to do so on the strength of who the people of God were. Because God and he both knew they were stiff-necked, <laughs> though they'd done wrong. He was going to do so based upon the goodness of God. Trusting in the character of God. And the people, do they deserve the blessing of God's presence? No. Do you and I? No. But God does it. He's, he's pleased to do it. You know, that his, his mercy gives another chance to follow him in obedience. That's what's going to happen, is he's giving another chance after the golden calf to go again. And just as he did for them, he does the same for us. That when we mess up, there's always a second chance with God, because he is gracious and slow. And the real question then is, why, okay, does God, does God change? And how did Moses have the confidence to approach God in that way? Because, you know, it hadn't really happened before then in the Old Testament. And, and I think the reason for this 
is that Moses knew the character of God. He was going to push in and take a chance. See, we have the revelation of being uh, in New Testament, Spirit-filled. That was not the case then, okay? But what we do know, okay, is that Moses' request at the end is, show me your glory. Give me a bit of a glimpse of you. In other words, that's what's driving him. He's actually, God, I'm thinking this is about your character. I'm thinking this is about good. That If you've said us as a people are going to keep going forward, well, if you wipe us out, that doesn't make sense. So, I mean, he's grasping at some of these things. And his, his plea at the end is, God, I need to know more of you. Because this doesn't make sense. But if I know you more, then I can press in. Then I can intercede. Then I can do things. He's trying to know God more. Okay? You know, we might like having a cheap shot at the, Israel, at the Israelites, maybe. Thinking, well, actually, you know, we'd have done things differently. I, I, do you know what I don't think we would have done? I think stick a mirror in front of yourself this afternoon. Okay, we may not have gone and made golden idols. Okay, but we all have things in our lives that cause us to trip over. Whether it be, you know, sport, football, technology, family, jobs, careers, money, whatever. You know it all. Okay, we could, we could, we could assemble our own golden calf. We'd, we'd be just like them. Okay, you know, and God would be speaking exactly the same to us. You know. But the request from us to God has got to come the same as Moses. It's not based upon who Ben Clark is. It's based upon God. So Moses, let's get back to him. He puts the argument back on God. And he's needing to see a glimpse of God's character. Because let's be real, this could have gone wrong. You know, we know because we've read the, little, the next chapter. It didn't. But, but Moses didn't have the next chapter, did he? You know, you know, we've got to remember this, we've got to remember where we're put pitting this thing, yeah? You know, we're all like, oh, well, Ben, that's really obvious because, you know, we know the people of God go forward and we know they get to Jericho because we've all sung the song in Sunday school. No, no, no. Moses did not know that. He stood before Almighty God, who he's just been up a mountain with, who's given him tablets. You know, he's watched all of that, the awe and reverence, and he's now intervening, interceding for his people. Everything is hanging on it. And it, therefore, it amazes me more the boldness he has at the end of saying, God, show me your glory. Because if it was me, I've been up, you know, I haven't, but he'd been up Mount Sinai, he'd received the command. He'd had amazing encounters, the Bible tells us, hasn't he? Yeah? You know? And yet he's still saying, I want to see more of your glory. Because that's what it's based upon. You know, I'd, I sometimes think we settle for, for less than, than God wants for us. I think that for me as Ben Clark, maybe you do. You know, Moses is pushing in here to a place where we've not been, or he's not been, where we'll go. And the assurance that comes back from it, you know, to, to Moses is God responds and says, yeah, I'll make my goodness pass before you. I'll proclaim to you my name. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and will show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. Basically saying, I'm going to do what I want, but I'm going to bring you in on it because I'm God and you're not. And God reveals, you know, the first importance there that, that he's not to be bartered with as such. He's going to work out his plans, but that he is a good God as his goodness comes before. And I want to pick up on that. I want to, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. Because grace, the love and mercy given to us by God, 
is something we've touched upon many times in God's Central and we'll continue to do so. And we've broken grace down as, as us getting what we don't deserve. You know, we've broken grace down as God's riches at Christ's expense. That it's the riches that God has of heaven. And they're all invested in us because of what Jesus did. That it's, not, it's not we had a good day. <laughs> it's not we had a bad day. It's all about Jesus. That, that, that God yeah, looks on us through Jesus. See, the Bible's really clear. You know, Matthew 28, which many of us will know, you know, it tells us that, that, that Jesus has all power and authority has been given to him. That because of him, there's a way to the Father, as we actually mentioned in worship, for anyone who wants to go. Do you mean there's a way there? There's a way that Jesus intercedes, intervenes on our behalf. So Jesus is praying prayers of intercession for you and I. How crazy is that? You know, it's not Moses. I mean, I'd, I'd probably take Moses, maybe. But this is Jesus interceding for you and I. Interceding for our brothers and sisters around the globe. Those who don't know me yet. Saying, Father, would you bring this one in? Would you bring that one in? Look, that one's great. And they're probably running around murdering, bird beating me. And Jesus still sees them differently. You know, the thief on the cross is the classic example. Jesus interceded, intervened for him while he's dying with him. And he's done the same for you and I, if we've chosen to believe in him. That, that one of the, the joys, therefore, of, of being part of a Christian community is, yes, we get Jesus interceding for us, but we get the joy of interceding for one another. That didn't get such a round of applause, but it should do. Because actually, it's why we exist as brothers and sisters in the faith. Is one of the callings is to build and encourage one another. It's part of being a Christian community. It's why I'm not a big fan of just watching things and remotely doing podcasts. And I love all that. I learn from that. But I love being amongst you because it's the prayer, the difference. You know, I look forward to Monday nights because, you know, my guys, we're going to gather, we're going to pray, they're going to ask me questions. You know, if I've got problems at work, I know they'll pray for me. I know it. When someone's sick, I know they're praying for us. You know, when, when life is rocky, we unite. You know, I shared three weeks ago when I was last here, you know, the, the prayers of people that held me while I had my leg broken and I was in hospital, amazing, both from inside and outside God Central. I don't even know them all. Don't even know them all. You know, a bit like Mark got little Bella to share. We don't know who was praying for Bella, but we know that God heard and God moved. We had the joy of standing with the Walker family and seeing God move. You know, it's why I just, I just encourage you, if you're not part of midweek communities, even if you can't get along regularly, just get linked up to one so that you're on the WhatsApps and the links. You know, it does you good to know you've got other people praying and standing with you. You know, I so value it. I so value it. Do you know what I mean? And hear me, you know, thank you to those who pray for me because I know loads of you do and I don't know about it or it comes out occasionally. You know, thank you to those who uphold you know, Claire, myself, the girls, my mum, you know, it's valued. It may not be known, he knows, but I'm just saying thank you. And on the other side, many of you know I probably may have prayed for you <laughs> because that's what we do. We hold one another up. We don't, we don't make a big placard, I'm praying for Roy today. <laughs> you know, it's not how it goes. The anointing's already here, Roy, you're okay. But it's just an illustration. You know, it's not, no, it's being part of a Christian community where we actually just care for one another, where we carry one another, where we is more than me. 
You know, and, and I want to encourage us. Please keep praying for one another. You know, you know what happens. You're, you're out cleaning or picking the kids up and someone just drops into your mind. Or you're flicking through Facebook and someone's photo jumps out. Or you see a message. You know, I believe it's God reminding us and nudging us. You know, you know, let's be quick to lean in with one another. You know, to be lean in with one another. You know, we know it just happens. You know, the Holy Spirit will guide us. You know, I, I can use modern day illustrations and we use one in a minute. But I love reading uh, journals from kind of missionaries and things from sort of about 100, 100 odd years ago, 100, 150 years ago. Because what you find in those journals is it's snail mail time, right? And, uh, and there are people writing letters from one side of the globe to their mate in the other. And by the time the ship sailed and landed, you'll realize the exact date that the letter was written, something was going on. And then there's the thank you there. It's like, you know, God links his people globally. He calls us to intercede for one another, to lean in for what to one another, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. And uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to watch a quick testimony that's going to come up. Uh, this is from 2017, so it's a couple of years ago. And then we're just going to round up with a couple of key points that I've nicked from someone else. So hopefully... We got the news that he was in extremely serious condition, and it just went from worse to worse. In about a 12-hour time period, it, it went from he's just kind of had, had this little sick thing at home to life or death. We were, you know, we were in a... We're in a battle for a child's life and for a family. I'm a little bit of a, um, a nut when it comes to Christmas because I didn't have the lights outside and all of that. We grew up, you know, kind of poor. And, and um, so this was a really special Christmas for us. Um, you know, we went out and got our tree and stockings were hung and then everything changed. We love to do uh, train cake every year together as a family, and Jackson and I were actually doing that, just me and him that day. So it was a super fun, like, mommy-son moment, and we were making the cake, and then that evening, just not long after that, he was just laid out on the floor. I knew this, he's not okay. He needs to go to the hospital. And so we rushed him to the ER. He was just like so sick and I could hardly, you know, get him to the hospital. The doctor had called me up and he said, I'm really concerned that he might have E. coli. When I heard that, I thought, oh, psh, that's like one in a million chance. I don't feel like that would be possible. Um, and if it is E. coli, that's treatable. And a lot of times E. coli doesn't, I mean, it's just a terrible sickness and it passes through the system. But in our case, um, he contracted HUS, that, which then developed into kidney failure and to the most severe, um, the most severe case of HUS. The doctor had said that this is basically out of their realm of capabilities and that we had to go to a different children's hospital and I was thinking oh that's going to be in the next few days he said no you need to go tonight and you're going to get on a helicopter we're going to fly him there I was just flooded with the sense that I might never know my boy growing up to be a man it might be this week that I lose my son 
a sudden, his speech starts to slur. He just started not being able to communicate, not being able to respond. In the middle of the night, they rushed us up to the PQ and called the neurosurgeon in. They tested him, and there was no response. There was no pain response. There was no recognition of me. And at that moment, I thought, I, I'm losing my son. Even if he makes it through this, I don't know if he'll ever know me again. He was just sprawled out on the bed and couldn't respond to anything. He was gone. There's a time when you've said every prayer you can say, and you don't have the strength to praise and worship anymore. And you haven't slept for weeks. And you're just kind of undone. And that was a moment for me when I was undone. The flip side of that is, I feel like that was the moment that I really began to feel the prayers around the world. Hi, it's Christmas morning, and a lot of you are asking how Jackson's doing. And just want to say thanks for all your prayers and support. It's been overwhelming. Um, it's a really long story, but it's really complicated right now, and we really need a Christmas miracle. They can't get to his blood. Um, there was something supernatural that, that happened that brought the church together. I would pull up social media and I would just read people's prayers in the comments of people all over the world. I've never met them before, but they were just crying out for my son. We were in the brink of life or death and people would be posting comments on our Facebook. We are up praying for you. People posting by the thousands, commenting, and they'd be all over the world. We're in Brazil, my church, whole church is praying for you. I'm in Russia, my little children pray for your son every day. I didn't have any prayers left to say, but I could feel and see and hear the prayers being said on my behalf. Yeah, just, this is a box full of letters and something that we've really treasured. This is the bed that Jackson is laying on. And Jesus is healing him. They're in the middle of the world. Oh, wow. Jesus. <laughs> From Mercy, four years old. Hooked up to everything. They allowed me just to, like, hold him in my arms, and you could just see the light still in his eyes. And I just remember just standing and declaring over him, he was gonna he was gonna raise up out of that grave and he was gonna he was gonna live. We'd get good news and then worse news. It'd be this, it was so up and down and so we go to the hospital and they said they thought he'd be okay, so they sent us home. And then to find out that he's worse than you even thought the first time. And then you're at the hospital and you're thinking, you know, he's gonna get better. And then you find yourself on a helicopter. And then you find yourself in a <sighs> the head of the PICU came in and said we have to get we have to get a central line in tonight they couldn't give him another sedative so it would be like going in basically having surgery on a child without any anesthesia and the doctor took us aside and put us in another room 
They took us in a room and explained we had to have this procedure done or we would lose him, but there were so many risks to having the procedure done. I remember the night we got the text that they didn't think he was going to make it through the night. When you got the text, you just collapsed into my arms and just, like, began to weep. And I could just feel like, like, we're going to lose. Like, we're going to lose Jack's. Like, we're not going to win this one. There's not going to be victory on this battlefield. Those moments, even though they're really hard, something within us rises up. The only moments of trauma and hmm. intensity can actually call forth. In those moments, for us, like, the only option is, like, we just have to worship. I remember standing at this crossroads and this giant of unbelief standing in front of me. Like, it's, it's your prayers don't matter. Um, all these prayers don't matter. Like, the Lord's not going to hear it. This is going to be like the other moments where you prayed with all your heart and then you buried your friend the next week. And, um, and it, but there was like something inside of me of like, no. And the melody just erupted out of my heart that, um, I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. He sent me a song, and I didn't know to what extent, but it said his, their community had prayed for Jackson, and in a spontaneous moment, they came up with a song, and so they just you know, recorded it and sent it to me. I took that song over my phone, and I played it over my son over and over again. You know, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. And... That's exactly what I was doing. I was, I was fighting warfare, and, and it was, wasn't just me. I wasn't alone. I had people <laughs> literally making weapons, writing songs, and sending it to us. It still humbles me and baffles me. The power of global prayer, the power of community, the power of believing together. He started talking again. What did you just be in a picture of? You know, he was, you could tell it was, it was still like fragile, it was still coming back, but he was talking again, and that was like amazing. He was asking in the cutest two year old voice, like everything he can imagine that he liked, you know, I want a hamburger, I want a hamburger, <laughs> you know? But we were so happy to hear him talking again. From talking with Joel, the tones started to feel like, oh wow, we, we're coming out of this, I think. Just the shift internally of like we made it was incredible. We walked in to the hospital just before Christmas, and now we're sitting here with a healthy son taking his nap right now. Hey, buddy. Look, we're going home. <laughs> Look, you haven't been outside for a month. I, I remember hearing the news that uh, Jackson is coming home, and it was like uh, it was like Christmas. We believe in the power of praise. We've seen a, God do a lot. And I don't know the secret to all of it, but I do know that Jackson is well today. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder or think that uh, that that praise had a part of that. This is part of our story now. And it's part of Jackson's testimony of his life that the world will know that miracles happen. This gospel is not haphazard. It's not a Russian roulette. It's not a guessing game. It is the absolute nature of God revealed through his goodness and his kindness. 
And what is necessary is for the people of God to rise to the occasion, to face the impossibilities of life with the confidence of God's character, His nature, and His promise. There's no other option. We were called to this. This is our responsibility. It is our privilege. Pretty powerful, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there's many other stories that are similar and around. Um, but I just wanted to dovetail that with <laughs> yeah, we get to stand together with people we know and to journey with them. Yeah, the amazement of a song being written from one church to someone else. And being used by God. I love being part of the global people of God. <laughs> I love being able to, to lean into my God. <laughs> that he would move and change lives. And, and I just want to caveat that. Just to make sure that we don't view God as a vending machine. You know, it's not we do X and put this thing in. And out at the bottom comes our wish. No, he told us in the bit that I read from Moses, I'll be gracious to who I'll be gracious. I'll show mercy to... You know, it's God's way, it's higher than ours. Let's be clear on that. That he is holy. He does things as he wishes. But he does things to include you and I. <laughs> you know, that he chooses to work through weak vessels, such as us in this room, and have a laugh at one another. This is how God is working in your life at the moment. Through these people, and, and hopefully hundreds and thousands of others, these are the people God is shaping and building and discipling you through. You may want to take that up with him. Do that quietly. But that's part of being the church family we are. That we grow in him and we grow together. You know, and I just want to quote this so I get it right. And then I've got um, a, another bit. Yeah, that's it. That's the bit I want. Is that whatever influences appear to change God's will are influences which ultimately he's ordained. Yeah? Because it's his choice to, sh to do this, and it's his choice to do that. We don't question his sovereignty. Okay? And uh, there's, a, there's a quote, I think, just before that one, Mark. Did I put on another? Here we are. So this one is a quote that I thought, just in case I was a mess. <laughs> uh, the primary principle of intercession is simply to tell God what he tells us to tell him. As a meaning of his prayer. Yeah, we only pray back to him what he gives to us in the first place. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm James Blunderfield. I'm just going, no, no, you'll get what God gives you and you give it back to him. You know, you know let's, let's not take anything for ourselves. You know, it's that simple. Intercession is God's brilliant strategy for including the saints in ruling with him in power. Its mystery is in its weakness, simplicity, humility and accessibility to all. I love that. You know, it's not about us. God has chosen intercession as the primary means in which he releases his power now and forever. And if we just get back to that last quote, Mark, and then if the band want to come up, we're going to go straight into worship. The intercession, I found this, it causes us to internalize God's word and change us because we need to know what we're praying back to God. You know, you know Moses wasn't praying some idea. He was praying from scripture. We need to know what we stand upon. It unites our heart with people and places we pray for. You know, you get a little link with people, don't you, as you pray and look up. You know, I love the fact we've got different nations here as well because you're already going on. You just know something when you pray for them. It gives us hope and faith. It gives us life. Elizabeth actually prayed that during the prayer meeting. You know, that life comes by the Spirit of God as we lean into him. 
that it makes a long-term impact beyond this age. It's not just about tomorrow, it's about the kingdom of God, which is eternal. It humbles us because we realize it's not going to be our strength that does things. It's going to be God. It changes the atmosphere of cities and nations. And oh, that you would do that around the globe today, God. And it causes blessing back to us as we see God move. So I'd love it if we can stand. Uh, the band are actually going to lead us in the song that was written for Jackson uh, by the church you heard and the worship leader called I Raise a Hallelujah. And as we sing this, I just want to provoke us that if the Holy Spirit drops people into your mind, pray and lift them up. That's what this time is for. It's about trusting God to break things open. And then we'll pray and get children. So over to you, Jay.